Welcome back to Everyday Expert. My guest today is Shannon Taylor. Shannon is the Director of Human Resources at Supercare Health in Downey, California. I have the pleasure of knowing, did you know it was 10 years this January that we know each other? I did not realize that, but that makes sense. Yep. Just a point about California. California is one of the most complicated states for an HR professional to work in. It has California's sophisticated paid paid leave benefits, overtime rules, hiring rules, anti-harassment requirement, and the list goes on. One of the jokes is, you know, as as goes California, goes the rest of the country. They are the leading state as far as being employee friendly. Um, so if anyone understands how HR can help managers, it would be the kind, compassionate, hardworking, no BS HR director from a complicated state like California. Shannon, <laughs> thank you for agreeing to do my podcast and welcome. Thank you so much, Amy. I really uh, appreciate the opportunity and I'm happy to be a part of it. So what is it, what part of your job gives you the most satisfaction or feeling of accomplishment? I think that just helping people really gives me, gets me up every morning and gets me into the office because I take the human part of my position really to heart. And my passion is really helping people achieve their goals and growing not only as team members, but also as leaders. And then I find, you know, I have a a background in psychology and I find that a large part of human resources is actually just listening and being a sounding board to others. So sometimes people just want to come in and talk and they just need someone to listen. And sometimes they genuinely need help finding solutions. I'm grateful to be, you know, on either side of that and just provide that support that they need. I think that's one of the biggest I'm not sure the right word, misnomers, is is how much of the listening HR professionals do and how they can really strategically help employees and managers as well, you know, not just the managers. Would you agree with that, that the listening is is key? Yeah, I definitely think that sometimes people come in and they're afraid to talk to you about something. And, and I always tell people at this point, I've pretty much heard everything and there's nothing that's going to surprise me and there's no judgment and I'm really just there to help them. And I think once you start establishing that within your company, people realize that, you know, you're not just there to get them in trouble. You you are a resource to them. Which kind of, which kind of leads into my next question. So I won't follow up on that, but what do you think is the biggest myth about human resources? I think that, you know, we're just here to police others and serve the company's best interest. I always joke that, you know, if someone walks into a meeting with me, my first words are, you're not in trouble. Um, (laughs) Because people always look really shocked or surprised or scared when they see me there. And, you know, part of our job in HR is to protect the company from risk, but it's also a large part to protect the employees and make sure that they have a safe environment or they can be successful. I'd say the other one too is that people in HR are no fun. So <laughs> I think we've proven them different, Shannon. Yes, I agree. You and I have I definitely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, we're all human beings and, you know, we, we come into the office and we have our professional image and we do feel a sense of responsibility to be that professional representation because we're trying to guide people, but I know how to have a good time. And, you know, I have a really diverse group of people on my team and I take pride in that because I think it shows that this is a modern HR um, with people who are just passionate about helping others. 
That's fantastic to hear that you uh, that you have a great diverse team. I think that's something that we all should strive for, not just obviously HR, but everywhere. But I think having a, a diverse HR function is such a great representation to to your company as a whole. So back to your other comment about the about being the police, I can recall when I started my HR career, my boss had said to me, you've got the employees on the right hand, the company on the left hand, and our job is to walk right down that middle and make sure both sides are protected, both sides are taken care of. And I think that's also another misnomer is, is, as you pointed out, that we're just there to serve the company's best interests. So I couldn't agree more with you on that one. Yeah, I think it's, uh, people don't realize, you know, I report directly to the CEO of the company and there have been times where I have to tell him, I can't tell you who told me that, or I can't disclose that information because it was told to me confidentially. And, you know, you're saying that to the head of the company and your boss, but that's part of our job. You know, we have to raise those concerns to the leadership, but we also have to protect the individual who confided in you. That's I'm so glad you brought that up because that I think that is also another huge misnomer that we go immediately and tell everything. And one of the you said one of the things you start off with is you're not in trouble. I would start off with you're not in trouble. And I promise you, unless you tell me, I won't tell another soul, unless you're willing to have this information go past this conversation. And I think people are always surprised by that when they hear that. But I think for folks like you and I, that's that's the way it works. I definitely, you know, I'll tell people too, like if I feel that this is a real concern that I need to take to the leadership team, then I'll come back to you. And, and I'll ask you and I'll tell you kind of what the steps will be. And if you still tell me that you don't want to be a part of it, then, you know, I'll disclose the information anonymously because it's that much of a concern, but I won't reveal your name. So I, you know, that's the one thing that I tell my team is that the one thing that can get you fired from my team is not being confidential not keeping people's confidentiality at the utmost importance. Let's get to the real kind of meat of this conversation, which is really how can HR help managers? It's really a huge part of our job to help managers not only navigate through difficult situations, but also help them grow in their leadership roles. I think a lot of people are promoted into positions because they're good at their job, and then they're not provided with the resources that they need to make that transition. So they go from being a peer to being a leadership team member, and they don't know how to bridge that gap. HR is a really good resource for helping them not only answer those questions, but find resources that help them with what they want to learn or something they're struggling with. Because even if we don't have the resource available, and if we don't have it, we know where to find it. So we're able to to help with that. And to, I think it's just a matter of any any role is difficult, but I think when you're in management, it's it's hard because you have to balance your job duties and your team and the different personalities you know, you don't have that mentorship. So it's yeah, a- especially if you're promoted from within, right? As you had pointed out earlier, your peer, you're working side by side with people. They're your friends. Next thing you know, you're promoted into a leadership position. Your former peers now potentially reporting directly into you want to know confidential information, what's going on. They want maybe some uh, preferential treatment. I know for a fact that you've you've dealt with with situations like that. It's, it's navigating those those. That's the training I think. And feel free to disagree with me. That 
is really crucial to a new manager, new leader, not so much the task oriented, making sure people are there on time and kind of checking the boxes, but it's really that people piece that can be just so challenging. Oh, I definitely agree. And I think that I've definitely seen that when people get promoted into a role, they either come in really hard or, mm. or really soft. It's a matter of finding that balance. But I also tell people who are going into leadership that if these people are your friends, then they're going to understand that you have responsibilities in your job and they're going to respect that. Back to your comment before, again, when I started in HR, my first boss was said basically confidentiality is the thing that's going to get you fired. And that's your, when that's your introduction into HR, you're like, oh, I can't say a word no matter what, because I'm going to get fired. But I don't, that doesn't happen with a, a, someone just being promoted into a, a, either a more significant leadership role or a first time manager. So I think they struggle with that a little bit more. I definitely agree. And I think, how do you find that balance of that comfortable feeling of people being able to come to you and disclose to you while still knowing that you're going to keep that information confidential? And I think that's how we can help guide them. Just how do you handle those situations when someone's asking you for information you know you shouldn't be disclosing? Absolutely. Obviously, that's that's one area. How do you think managers underutilize HR? Uh, You know what I think, especially in my company, I find that people, our managers don't reach out to us enough when they're dealing with like difficult employee issues. They think that if they're reaching out to us, then, you know, we're going to either find fault in what they're doing or how they're doing it, or they're going to get someone in further trouble. And that couldn't be farther from the truth. I mean, we're really there to provide them guidance and to teach them so that in future situations, they kind of know how to handle it. I jokingly say that I have documented tattooed on my forehead, but that's, you know, that's really, um, that's really that might important. be a, that might be a very good suggestion for all HR professionals. <laughs> yeah. It, it's a broken record thing that you say, but really that's how you protect yourself and that's how you make sure that you're properly communicating. And so I think that In both sides of it, we have a manager who's saying, I want to write this individual up, but um, for all these things that they've done over six months, but I haven't really communicated with them up until this point, then I'm going to push back and say, well, you haven't done the communication. But if they've done a good job of communicating and the employee is saying, well, I didn't know that these problems existed, then I'll push back on the employee and say, but you know, we have all these conversations here that have happened. So we are able to provide that support on both sides and make sure that the communication is happening, that the employee is aware of how they can improve. I always say that, you know, if I'm sitting down with someone, it's because I'm investing in them and I'm trying to help them be better. And then it's their choice whether or not they want to make those improvements. So I think that managers underutilize us in in dealing with those disciplinary issues because we have a lot of background and we can be a really helpful resource. I love that you you know what you said about sitting down with someone because you're investing in them. Why do you think managers I've seen this so many times. Manager comes to you, I'm sure you've seen it as well. This person isn't working out. I want to let him go. And it turns out the managers have had no conversation or very little or very, what do you think the number one reason behind 
and I, I kind of have an, an answer in my head, so I apologize. I'm kind of setting you up, but why yeah. do you think managers are so resistant to sitting down and having that I'm investing in you conversation? Well, I think it's fear and I think they don't know what to say. Um, and so they think that I think there's two things. Either they fall back on um, the things that they are used to measuring, sort of like productivity goals or um, things of those nature, and they don't actually address the actual issue. So because they're afraid to have that conversation um, or they don't know how to have it, so then they come to you and they're like, okay, it's gotten to a point where I just can't deal with it anymore, but they can't, you can't just tell someone, okay, well, we've been having these problems all along, but I never let you know. So I didn't give you the opportunity to improve. Yeah, absolutely. I, I completely agree with that. So what else, what else is, what are, what are the things or ideas or thoughts about human resources and how, how you have helped or can help um, your employees, your managers? Um, I think that, you know, one of the things that people think about HR is that we're going to be a roadblock. And, you know, I think in a sense, we are going to push back and 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 make sure that things are being done consistently, um, respectfully, professionally. But, you know, we really are here to provide resources and to help managers grow their skills or learn from it. And then, you know, make sure our frontline employees feel like, A, they know where they stand and B, that they have opportunities as well. You know, I think that if we have that open communication, which is what we as HR really try hard to foster, um, then things improve exponentially because everybody's kind of kept in the loop. But the more that we function in silos and we don't have that communication, then um, that's where you find those those problem areas really occur. And I think that, you know, sometimes people are promoted into positions that they that it isn't a good fit. So you have to try and provide those resources and then but then they have to run with those resources. And if they don't and they're not interested in growing, then then sometimes you have to have that conversation that maybe it's not the right role for them. Yeah. And one of the reasons why I'm focusing my coaching business on career changers as well is in my, I don't I guess it's almost 20 years now of experience in HR. So many times that when it doesn't fit, I think people feel like a failure mm -hmm. and it's not a failure. It's just not a fit whether it's the culture doesn't match up with their, with their values, or, you know, it's just not the position that their, their talents are, are a good fit for. And so many times I've sat down with people and just said, like, you know, you're miserable. Let's, let's think about this, you know? And, and I think to kind of go back to your, your comments about investing in people and having those kind of difficult conversations, I find sometimes they lead to some of the most amazing breakthroughs. What do you think about that? Oh, I definitely agree. And I think that, you know, sometimes you'll come across people who think that the only way for them, their value to be recognized is by being in a leadership role. Um, and so you talk with them about, you don't necessarily need to be in a leadership role to be a, a specialist or a, a knowledge expert in what you're truly good at. And let's focus on, you know, where your skill set is and, and find where that fits best for you. 
And I think when you have that conversation with them and you recognize their value without kind of putting them into this preconceived square peg in a, in a round hole, then they feel like, okay, you know, this actually, I can find a place where I am valued without um, having to do things that maybe I don't enjoy doing. Absolutely. Any any additional comments, thoughts? One thing that I would kind of in speaking to what you're saying about just no BS, straightforward. Um, I remember when I first told my sons that I had to fire people and they were just mortified by the idea. And I said, 90% of the time, if I'm sitting down with someone and saying to them that their job is ending, they know it's coming because I've sat down with them multiple times before and I've had those honest, direct compassionate, but straightforward conversations with them to say, Hey, like this is not working out right now, but this is the opportunity that you have to make a change. And what are your thoughts on that? And how can I help? So I think that it's, it's equally about being direct and respectful, but also going back to investing in people and making sure that the communication is there and it's hard in the beginning to have those straightforward conversations but you realize along the way that that people really appreciate it. And if you do it in a straightforward way and you don't beat around the bush and you're clear with them, that you're helping them. Absolutely. I actually worked for a woman who won an award for, well, it was, it was around layoffs for most compassionate person through a layoff. And I learned from her about really embodying the respect you would want in that situation, right? And she just drove home. This could be any one of us and how would you want to be treated? And that that was a huge lesson that I think I didn't realize how impactful it was until I've gotten later into my career. And you know, you wind up having to do these things more more often than not, unfortunately. But really embodying if this was me, how would I want to be treated? Because so often there's so many other things going on in people's lives that are affecting their work or they're not, they're not, as I said earlier, it's just not a good fit or it's, it's very rarely that someone's quote unquote, not a good person. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a great point. And I think it's just about digging in, you know, if you have an employee who has been stellar for years and then all of a sudden they've just really tanked in their job, asking questions, saying like, what's going on with you? Is exactly. everything okay? You know, making sure that there's not, it's not something that they just have. I mean, maybe it's that they've, they're not growing in their role and they become dispassionate and you can kind of look at, well, maybe this isn't this particular position isn't right for you, but maybe we could find something else and investing in them. But also I think just really remembering that you're impacting someone's life. So when you're making that decision or you're moving forward with ending someone's employment or you're having a difficult conversation with them, you're impacting their life. So you have the opportunity to teach them. And if it means that they're leaving and they're going somewhere else, then at least you're providing them with some insight that they can use in their next position. I'd like to take a quick pivot on something that you said, which really kind of put a light bulb off in my head, which is maybe someone has been doing a job for a long time and has just, has just kind of, they're uninspired. Mm -hmm. 
I'd love to hear your thoughts on how can you help managers with that particular type of employee? You know, what, what are some strategies? I think it's just kind of digging into the conversation with an individual. We have someone in particular at our company who kind of jumped from role to role and they couldn't really find the right fit for her. And then they finally put her in the showroom, which is where our patients come in and and pick up supplies or they just need help with something. And she just blossomed. And she, she really was more effective with the face-to-face patient interaction than with the sort of computer work or that she'd been doing before. So I think it's just a matter of looking at where someone's skill set is, not giving up on them and not putting them in a box. We have someone else who is very detail-oriented and he will look at a situation and he'll want to fix everything about it before he moves on to the next thing. And sometimes that's frustrating for his management team because they're trying to get things done. But when you have someone who has such a good attention to detail and, and a really great knowledge background and can identify problems, then why not put them into a situation where they're they're looking at quality assurance or, you know, their training or things like that. So it's not that typical role, but it's a role that will benefit them and in the end benefit the company. So I think it's just out of the box thinking and looking at the individual instead of trying to manage everyone in the same way. I have to say kudos to you uh, and your company for really taking that approach. I think all too often people don't think out of the box in that respect. And I couldn't agree more with your comment that, uh, you know, thinking out of the box and looking at the person and what it is that they bring to the table and trying to find a place for them. It just, I think, creates such uh, loyalty to the to the organization when when you can prove to your employees that what you bring to the table is is appreciated within the organization. One situation is not working out, you will work to find another. I think that's fantastic. I really push the idea that if you treat your employees well, then your company, your business will flourish. Absolutely, I could not agree more. And I think it is a unfortunately overlooked concept in so many organizations doesn't need to be big money things to appreciate your employees Mm -hmm. really just kind of comes down to respect and being treated fairly in my opinion. So that's another fantastic point. Yeah, we do. um, We do something every year called um, team member appreciation week and it's not something we spend a ton of money on. It, we do fun engagement things where we'll have the teams come up with their own name. We'll, they'll make a sign. They'll take pictures. We have an appreciation station where employees can send notes of appreciation to other employees around the company. I think last year when we did it, we, we got 1,400 appreciation notes. And we we push them out at the end of the week to everyone. And then we do a raffle and it may be like a free PTO day or we'll put together just like gift baskets and and we'll put it onto our internet. And then you just see lots of people commenting like, oh, that's so awesome. You deserve it. Or it just really, it's small things, but it pulls people together from other locations and just allows them to engage with each other and feel like part of a family as opposed to you just a person in a seat. Yeah. I think that's another uh, building block as well, which is getting people who don't necessarily work together to become, to create that human connection. And so it's not just that department over there, someone that they know. And I think that breaks down walls, as you pointed out. Yeah, absolutely. 
Any other uh, thoughts, ideas? You know what? I think I just really love being a part of HR. And I hope that people know that just how multi-layered it is and how fulfilling it is to work in our jobs every day. And and it's hard. I think that's another thing that people don't realize is that, you know, it's not an easy job. You can't talk about things. You know, you have to be confidential. You you absorb a lot of people's emotions and feelings, so many different personalities. And it's just, I'm really grateful. That's amazing. Shannon, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. So many amazing insights. I appreciate your time. And thank you so much. Thank you, Amy. I really appreciate being a part of this.